Living Wisely, Living Well, December 16. Think vastness. Think eternity. Don't be limited to your present realities. See your thoughts as waves on the vast ocean of cosmic awareness. I remember once when I was visiting Swamiji in Assisi and he'd had a period of Assisi, Italy. He'd had a period of relatively poor health the last decade of his life. He he died when he was like 86, almost 87, and that last decade was pretty rough. He just had one cascading physical problem after another. And just to be kind as a friend, I said, Sir, how are you feeling? He said, compared to eternity, he said, I feel blissful. And that was just such a, a fun way of thinking about it. It's like, perhaps in the moment I don't feel so well, but compared to eternity, all, all other time is unimportant. I remember many years ago, in the very early years of Ananda Village, when uh, we had built this first round of geodesic domes, which are these sort of rounded shapes that are made of a series of triangles strapped together. So it's a rounded shape, but it has a lot of angles to it. It was a design created by Buckminster Fuller, and we were one of the early experimenters of with this in the late 60s and all through the 70s. And it was the, the first round of building Ananda. I say that because in 1976, almost all of those buildings were burned down, including the one I'm going to refer to. Subsequently, they were uh, a number of domes were built again, but they were, by the time we built them the second time, we had a better idea of how to keep them from leaking because leaking was a terrible problem. Part of the quality of the dome is that it would ex- it would uh, inhale and exhale. It would expand and contract in the warm and the cold. Swami Kriyananda also had a, a dome. His never burned down, so he had to work with it from its original form. And he had sprayed it with this uh, plastic foam. We did a lot of experimenting with building in those days because we weren't closely regulated. Nowadays, such experiments would just unfortunately be absolutely impossible. So Swamiji had had sprayed his with this uh, elastic foam, plastic foam. When I say spray, I don't mean like with a little spritzer bottle, I mean with a huge hydraulic machine that came in. But it also expanded and contracted, so it developed hundreds of hairline, uh, hairline cracks which, and during those years, it used to rain, uh, rain, rain 60 inches over a period of six months, which is really a lot of rain. So this torrential rain would come in Swami's dome. I'm, now I'm in Swami's dome. It would just leak it, unbelievably. It was The whole dome was very simple. Now that dome has become the living room of a, a beautifully constructed building, but then it was just the dome. And underneath it, it was built on a platform with a post-construction because it was on a hillside. And so you could open a trap door in the floor of the living room, go down some stairs, and you were under the house on the bare ground, and that's where the firewood was stored. So you'd lift up the trap door, go down the stairs, and bring the firewood up to the big fireplace, that the big uh, wood stove that heated the whole dome. But when it would rain, so much rain sometimes would come into the house, especially from the, the highest point, that we would literally open the trapdoor and sweep the water out. I mean, that's how much water would come. I mean, no question of rugs or anything like that. It was just a mess. They tried multiple things on Swami's house, and Swami kept telling them the only solution is to build a roof over it. He said, we need a carport. 
we need to park the dome under a carport. It took him, oh, probably close to 15 years to persuade the builders that that was the solution. So now, if you happen to go to Ananda Village and you go to Crystal Hermitage, you walk into this beautiful dome-shaped living room. But if you look carefully outside, you'll be able to see from certain angles, you'll be able to see the original dome just sitting under there, under this roof. And of course, that's all the leaks. Um, Swamiji, had, we had lots of jokes about that leaky house, and one of them was, uh, Swami would, would say, in this, sometimes Swamiji would uh, mimic attitudes and, and make them humorous, at a time when one's feelings weren't sensitively involved, so that you would remember something as being humorous that later on when you were inclined to take it seriously, you would have a little harder time getting serious about it because you'd remember that it was a joke. And so Swami sometimes would play act the, the sort of poor hurt person speaking to God, you know, but Lord, I'm so sincere in my efforts to, to fix the leaks. And even though I so sincerely try, you know, you keep flooding my house. But he kept flooding his house. It was just what was going on. But in any case, I'm going now to Jyotish's house, which was, the construction was different. His house then, this was before he was married. This was before 1976 when it burned. And his house also leaked for different reasons, but it, it was still, it was the same problem. And I guess they tended to leak at the top. It must have been the way the thing expanded and contracted. But most of the leaks were at the highest point of the dome. So being unable, and money was, of course, always an issue. It's just like, you know, some major construction solution. Eventually what they did is they put roofing shingles over them. So the, the, the domes that were built after the fire all have roofing shingles. And that really actually finally solved the problem. I'm not a builder. I don't understand. But money was an issue. The whole thing, we just scratched out, managed to put the dome up to have to buy all the roofing shingles and put them all up. And I think we also were just hoping that that wasn't necessary. So when I came into Jyotish's house once, and it was one of those, it was a dark and stormy night. Just this huge rain was coming down. And I came over to talk to him for reasons I don't remember. I came into his house, and we had no electricity at that time, and everything was simple. Jyotish had a, a single comfortable chair. He had a propane light, you know, just, and he was just sitting comfortably, you know, under his propane light, reading a book, as I recall, you know, and the house was warm. He had the wood stove, the fire was going, everything was fine, except pretty much over Jyotish's head at the high point of the dome, there was this huge funnel. I mean, I didn't even know you could buy a funnel that big. It looked to me like it was about two and a half feet in diameter at least, this just gigantic funnel. And, it, and the funnel came down like this and then, you know, attached to the funnel was all this tubing. And the tubing was sort of attached to the ceiling and it ran across the dome like this and then it went to where the sink was. We didn't have like, see, did we have indoor plumbing at that point? I don't know if he had indoor plumbing, but I believe that the sink just basically just drained out into the forest because it was just uh, whatever you would call gray water, not not sewage. And so he, the, the, the tube came like this and then it went into the sink and so that the rainwater came in the funnel, followed the tubes, just went into the sink and then just went out of the dome into the forest, which was being soaked by rain anyway. And Jyotish was just quietly, and there was the sound of many rushing waters sort of going over his head, just like from the Bible. And it was all so 
uh, just jerry-rigged, if that's the right word. I just, I looked at it, it was so crazy. Now, I, of course, lived in this tiny little trailer myself where there was, there was actually splits in the floor and the grass would grow in, which I rather enjoyed because it kind of made a little indoor-outdoor relationship. And that was probably the trailer also where I would lie in, in, un, right under my bed. Let's see, what would it, it was the porcupines. The porcupines would come and eat the trailer in the night. <laughs> I mean, this is how we all lived. But for some reason, Joe Tish's place, and we loved it. That I, I must add that. None of this was hardship. It was, I loved it, all of it. I'd like to think I could go back and live that way. I don't know. I don't know if age has spoiled me or not, but I like to think. We were so close to nature. And without electricity... You don't realize what the vibration of electricity creates around you. I mean, God, I'm not even talking about internet or anything like that. I mean, just, you know, electric lights with all that subtle energy, that subtle electric energy running through your walls all the time. Living in, in these little trailers and little cabins the way that we did without any electricity, there was a, a, psychic, a, a, a psychic quiet and a psychic calmness that was really wonderful, because I moved in the early 80s out of a, a, an unwired house into a house that had electricity, because by that time things had begun to change. I moved into a house that was next door to Swami's house, and Swami had brought in the PG&E line because it was just simply too in inconvenient. He ran with a generator, but he was recording and filming and writing, and it was just too inconvenient. So I had electricity. But the first night I spent in that house that was wired for electricity, I thought, all right. And also, that it was, a, it was a, a small house. It's the guest house of Crystal Hermitage now again, for those few of you who hear this who, who know. It's a lovely little house, about, I don't know, 800, 900 square feet. Very nice. But it was a real house. And all of a sudden, I was insulated from the natural world. The electricity was part of it, but I had now separated myself from the natural world. Now, of course, that creates a certain level of comfort, but it also creates exactly that. I was now separated from the natural world. I mean, these are among the things that made those early years so wonderful. Um, I'm going to shift one more time, and then I'm going to go back to Jyotish. I'm not going to forget. I recall reading a story. It was about Crazy Horse, and it was a wonderful book. I mean, I have mixed feelings about recommending it. I, I can't remember who wrote it now. It was written by a, a Lakota, which I think is who he was. Wrote it. It was beautifully written. The author wrote the whole book. I believe he wrote it in English, translated it into Lakota, and then translated it back to make sure that he hadn't said anything in English that couldn't also be said in, in the Indian language. It was tremendous integrity. The reason I hesitate it absolutely broke my heart. It was just a heartbreaking book. So I, I don't think, I can hardly bear to think of it much to speak, much what to speak of recommending it. But it's the truth, and truth has to be faced. So, no, I'm, yes, it was Crazy Horse. That was the book. At the end, Crazy Horse had to surrender his whole, his the remnant of his Indian band because they were going to be exterminated. So he surrendered, and they went to the reservation and followed everything. Now, they had built their teepees 
out of buffalo hide. But of course, when the buffalo were exterminated, um, they couldn't do that anymore. So the white people would, well, we'll just give you canvas. You could make your teepees out of canvas. And Crazy Horse says, buffalo hide is very heavy. And even in the strongest winds, it doesn't flap. So in the storm, you hear the storm. You don't, you don't hear the teepee. Canvas flaps and makes a tremendous racket. So when they were in the storm, they could no longer be in the storm. They had to be in a flapping, noisy teepee. And he talked about what a tragedy this was for their people. But he was still willing to accept it. Incredible, isn't it? Different worlds that we live in. Now, Jyotish was sitting there, and this is, this is the whole point. Jyotish was sitting there, I said, Jyotish, how can you stand this? And very philosophically, because Jyotish, who is Swami's spiritual successor in Ananda, and is presently with his wife, Devi, the, the worldwide leader, he said, well, he said, I think of it this way. He said, I can handle anything as long as it's temporary. And he said, and compared to eternity, everything is temporary. That's just, isn't that magnificent? Compared to eternity, everything is temporary. So I can do this for a while. I'm not doing this forever. I'm just doing this for a while. Really, you see, that's what Swami's wanting us to say. Take absolutely everything that happens and compare it to eternity. Even when we're going through a very, very difficult test, the reason we're being put through that test is in order to free us from delusion so that we can live in bliss for eternity. So even though this may be very difficult, we may think this is more than we can bear. Compared to eternity, as Swamiji once said, all time is short. Now, of course, that isn't always enough. But as much as we can, if we move toward the highest truth that we can imagine, the more likely we are to find in the moment the joy that we seek. So, think vastness. Think eternity. Don't be limited to your present realities. See your thoughts as waves on the vast ocean of cosmic awareness. Joy to you, my friends.